We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Before we get too far into this episode, I do want to ask you to fill out my listener survey. Every couple years, I survey people and see what they have to say about the direction of the podcast, what you're learning, and As people come and approach me for different sponsorship opportunities, I want to make sure that what I'm having as sponsors on the podcast is relevant to you. So if you would go to jethrojones.com slash survey, then I would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, It'll also be in the show notes, the first link at the top of the show notes for the next month or so. It would mean the world to me, jethrojones.com slash survey. Thank you so much. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am so excited to have on the program today Jana Cochran. She's the principal of North Greenville Elementary School, located in Greenville, Wisconsin, and part of the Hortonville Area School District. She has spent her career exclusively at the elementary level with 22 years experience as an elementary principal. Prior to being a principal, she taught fourth grade for nine years. She is the daughter of a retired elementary principal, so she knows the importance of establishing a quality school community for elementary students, staff, and families. Jana has been recognized as a great leader by many different organizations, and most recently as a 2020 elementary NAESP National Distinguished Principal. As lead learner of North Greenville Elementary, Jana has assisted the Hortonville Area School District in gaining the esteemed honor of being a model PLC district. As part of this journey, Janet generated collaboration time for elementary teams, among many other things. She describes herself as lead learner, 
team member and keeper of the family. We'll get into that a little bit later. She lives and leads the NGES mantra, kids first, always, in her work each day. Jenna holds a bachelor's degree in elementary education and music, and she earned her master's degree in educational leadership from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Jenna, welcome to Transformative Principal. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, I am so excited to talk to you today. This is going to be a great conversation, and you are an inspiring leader. You've done a ton, and we have so much that we could talk about today. We're not going to get close to talking about all of it. But one thing that we definitely do need to talk about is that your dad was also a principal and also an NDP, and kind of cool when you get to do the same things that your dad did. So talk to us about what that was like growing up with your dad as a principal and how, after seeing that, you ever wanted to be a principal yourself. (laughs) Well, that is interesting. So I always knew I wanted to be a teacher and dad had this great school that we would get to go and help put books away in the summer and deliver school supplies. And that was always a treat for me to be able to go into school and help. So I was going to be a teacher. I was never going to be a principal because I would see him at night with his briefcase on his lap and he'd be working. And I would think, why would you do that when you could be a teacher? So um, my first year teaching was the year that he was recognized as North Dakota's nationally distinguished principal and got to go to Washington, D.C., receive that distinction. And of course, I thought it was wonderful and impressive, but I didn't really understand what that meant. The year he retired, I was teaching just outside of Madison. I flew home for his retirement gathering at his school, and I saw people in my memory, they were lined up out the door and around the block. He had been in that same school for 25 years and had left such an impression. And and I kind of just made my way down that line and heard people talk about the impact that he'd had, um, you know, multiple generations that had had him as a principal or knew him throughout that journey. And um, when I flew home, I had already enrolled in a master's program in Madison in curriculum. And I switched that to leadership after hearing those stories and realizing the impact that you can have on a school community. And that was really my inspiration for becoming a principal. Yeah. Wow. That's really inspiring. And what I love about that little story is how it was the stories of the impact that changed your mind. And we really do have this power as principals to be very impactful in ways that we sometimes can't even understand. And so now 22 years later, later, plus because you've been a principal for 22 years, what are some of the stories that have stuck with you over that time that have reminded you when days are tough because they get tough, that have reminded you why you're doing this work? You know, when I go into classrooms and I talk to elementary kids about what a principal does, I always talk about how I have the greatest job because I can help everyone at school, how I can help kids if they need things, I can help teachers and I can help parents. And, And the things that come to mind is when you can encourage a teacher to try something new and it's successful and that's that reward that they feel, but because they've helped that child with that learning target or we've been able to come up with problem solving strategies for a you know social emotional need. And it's really an indirect um, impact on a principal because Oftentimes, I'm not the one doing that, but I'm supporting it in some way that may not always be visible, but just empowering people and building that capacity for teachers to have that leadership, that's been so rewarding. Um, And then with kids, I've even, since we've opened this current school that I'm in, 
Um, we opened our building eight years ago and you know, staffing was a little tight when we opened up and I found myself teaching uh, literacy interventions every year. And that was something that I thought I can prioritize my schedule differently as the lead learner of a building um, so I can do interventions with kids if that's where the need is. I can um, whether that's academic or behavioral. So it's just really opened up the possibilities of the impact that I can have. Yeah, I, I love that. Being able to spend time with kids and uh, support them in their struggles is really a powerful thing that you get to do because you do get to say, this is where I'm going to spend my time and what's valuable. And clearly supporting kids uh, in intervention was something that you saw as valuable. I, th mm -hmm. I think that that's really cool. Now, tell me about this phrase that I said in your bio about being the keeper of the family. What does that mean? You know, we really, um, when we opened our building, we set a mission to make sure that we had this shared vision, mission, and value system. And I talk about the North Greenville Elementary School family. We call ourselves NGES and taking care of that NGES family. So that's making sure that we are attending to the needs of our colleagues, that we're collaborating together. When we say all means all, it's all children are ours. So it doesn't matter what your role in is at school, um, but we're all responsible for them. But it also means making sure that we're taking care of each other and our extended school community, right? Families needed us in different ways in the last 20 months um, and during the pandemic. So I, I just pride myself on making sure that we are established as a school that functions as a family where you can rely on each other when you need to, that we know that we have ups and downs in this journey of life and the place called school is the place that's going to be supportive and helpful in that journey. Yeah. So family, people use that term in work settings to talk about, we got each other's backs and we're always there for each other. What else does that mean that you're a family in the school? I think it, it becomes really personal because we're doing that personal work of educating kids and we get intertwined in the lives of our families, our school families, but then also with each other. It's the phrase that comes back to me the most often too from staff, where when I put something out there about the NGES family, whether it's a health need or a severe medical need that somebody's having, and then we're going to step up and help. Uh, it just, it, it's, it's more impactful. Um, they, they, view each other as a family. I have several staff members, myself included, that say like, this is this is our school home. This is where we're going to retire. We are happy mm -hmm. here. This is our network. And we know that all places have obstacles and barriers, but together we're going to work through them and come out stronger on the other side. And I think that is maybe the difference. I haven't worked in other workplaces, so I don't know how it differs, yeah. but there is something different about this network of people that we've assembled together in the place called school. And you mentioned that people want to retire there and they don't want to leave before they leave teaching completely. So what if, what key pieces are in place, you think, that make it so that people want to stay there besides what we've already talked about? Yeah, I think it's the collaborative spirit. I think knowing that we work as a team and that Again, if if I'm needed in the lunchroom to serve food, I'm serving food. And I know that I can ask any person in this building to do any task and they will step up and do it because we will do that together. I think it's that trust factor beyond just I've got your back, but I can trust you to help me and I can be vulnerable in front of you. I um, really believe in taking risks in front of staff, like trying things out and knowing that maybe they aren't always going to work, but I need to model that and be a part of that so that they feel comfortable because sometimes the payoff 
off is more than you ever imagined. But you don't know that if you don't feel comfortable and confident to take those risks, to try new ideas. Um, it comes up frequently. You know, kids are complex and we're dealing with more complex issues now than we were in 22 years ago. Either that or I've just become more in tune to them. I'm not really sure if they've changed, but, you know, we have to think outside of the box and we need to give ourselves permission to try some things and the grace to evaluate whether or not um, they're successful or not with kids and then adapt, right? So you have to have a place you feel safe to do that. And that's really important. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says stop talking and start doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com podcast. So what do you do to build that safety so that people do feel safe there? What do you, how do you make that happen? I mean, we talk about this stuff and it's like this ethereal thing, like people just need to feel this way, but you've done specific things to ensure that people do feel that way. And what are some of those things that you've done? Well, I had a teacher that came new to our building and was really trying to connect with a student. Um, He was struggling behaviorally. Uh, You know, when you hear elementary schools are dealing with kids that clear classrooms because their behavior, they can't regulate their emotions. Right. And this was happening and we'd been trying things and, you know, all these adult theories on what was going to work. And so we had a problem solving meeting with the team and we always named the team of the child. So if you were the child, it would be team Jethro. So team Jethro's together and we're trying to figure out what we can do. And I could tell, I could see it in her face and she didn't know me well yet. I could see that she just wasn't satisfied yet. And I finally just looked at her and just tried to look deep in her heart and said, what do you want? to try? What do you need from me? And she said, I need time with him every day. I need to connect with him, just he and I every day. And I said, that's easy. I'll come to your room every day for 15 to 30 minutes. Like you tell me how much time you want. You leave me the lesson or I'll plan the lesson. I'll be there. And I was every day I would go and we would switch spots and she would go spend time with that child. And that made a huge impact on her to know that this was okay, that this was accepted and embraced. And we didn't know if it was going to work, but it did work. It maybe didn't eliminate it, but it created a relationship between the two of them that even two years later was evident and and we could still nurture that and, and pull draw from that. So I think those types of situations are what we do all the time, maybe not to that extreme, but just to really be able to be there together and collaboratively figure it out. And I didn't have the answer, but she had an answer. After all that took place, she called our school teacher Disneyland. And she does to this day. She calls it teacher Disneyland because it was that exciting for her and positive. 
And her coming up with that answer made it more possible for her to implement the thing that she came up with. Because if you would have said you need to spend time with him and she felt like it was being forced, that would have been really challenging, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because just like we collaboratively problem solve with kids where we have all these theories of how to solve their problems, but when we ask them what they need, it's oftentimes not what we thought they needed. Um, teachers are the same way. I had another teacher that was dealing with a student who um, was was running from school, was having separation issues and really struggling and, and couldn't handle the bus and mom couldn't. And it was months and months of this. Um, so in the end, we decided that, you know, it wasn't safe for him to ride the bus um, because it wasn't safe on the bus. And mom, it wasn't safe for him to drive with mom. So we were going to get a van and we were going to drive and pick him up. Right. But she wanted to be a part of that. She wanted to drive in that van every day and she wanted to connect with him. And by just expressing that, like I never would have asked her to do that. She wanted to be a part of that solution and knew because of trauma-informed care, like it would be best for her to connect with him, not for me, not for, you know, we had another person in the van um, that was connecting with him, but as classroom teacher, she needed to do it. And that was her idea. And she did that. I mean, that was way above and beyond. Wow. I, I love I love that story because it helps illustrate that it when people are empowered to make their own their own solutions to the problems that they're facing, then they can come up with solutions, be committed to them, and see them through to their fruition, which is just an amazing thing. And first of all, going all the way back to the beginning of the the first of the two stories is just saying this is Team Jethro referring to the student who's having trouble. And that emphasis of not the student study team, which (laughs) is a well-meaning but poorly named structure, not the Mm -hmm. intervention team, it's Team Jethro. Like, we're all on Jethro's team, not somebody else's team. And being able to say that, Jana, I think is is such a good step in the right direction of putting the focus where it belongs and helping people see that this is what really matters first and foremost. And goes back to your mantra of kids first always that you that we mentioned earlier also. Mm-hmm. And we include parents on those too, right? So they're a part of that team and hopefully they see that positivity of, you know, we love your child. They just have some lagging skills that we're going to help them overcome. And I've given you behavior examples, but that's, we treat academics the same way when we're struggling with, you know, a reader that has been struggling for a few years, despite our intensive interventions and focus, we're, we're still going to keep working on that and trying to come up with new ways to approach that. Yeah, that, that's so good. Now, one of the things you mentioned is that that first story involved a teacher who was new to your building. And with your school being the kind of school that nobody wants to leave till they retire, you probably don't have very high turnover. And when you do, hiring people to come into that culture is, it's important everywhere. But especially when you have a high performing culture, it's really vital. So what are some of the things you do as you're hiring that you look for to help people be successful in your school? Mm -hmm. So I always include um, conversations with the team prior to figure out what is it that they need? What do they look for? What do they value? Um, So if we're hiring a grade level teacher, I will definitely include them on the interview team, right? team members with, but I also meet with them as a group and talk about it in advance. Like, what is it that your team is 
hoping for to make them even better because we know every person coming in is going to give back to us as much as we're going to offer, whether it's a new teacher or a veteran teacher. So having those conversations and really defining that focus so that we go into the interview and we all have the same understanding or a similar understanding of what we're looking for, including all different voices. So we've included our instructional coaches on hiring teams because they know our curriculum and have high standards and they know the rigor that we're expecting. We have pretty strong achievement at North Greenville, but I think some of that is because we look for people that also thrive in that environment. Listening to those team members uh, after we've met somebody and um, listening to what the celebrations are from that conversation, and then also what questions they have, and then relying on other parts of the hiring process to help fill in some of those blanks. You know, an interview only gives you so much, but we're also strapped for time and our candidate pools are diminishing, I think, across the country. I don't think that's just a Wisconsin problem. But when we call and do reference checks or we look at other pieces of information, we can really um, hone in on other areas. Areas and find out whether that's a concern or not a concern. You know, so we just try to do a really thorough job that way. And then we listen for the things that we don't necessarily ask. So I don't want to give away the hiring tip of North Greenville to people that want to come work here. But I will tell you, if you don't mention your team, your colleagues, and have authentic authentic examples of how you have learned from a colleague and how you have reflected and grown, you, you will not be a team member here because that is what we value. We don't expect people to come in and know all the answers. We expect them to come in and want to put their heads together and work really, really hard together for our kids. And we do believe our mantra, kids first always. So I can tell you have a great heart for a child, but I also need to hear that you're going to take care of your colleagues and that you're going to contribute and receive help the same way that we would ask kids to do it. Yeah, I like that. Uh, you mentioned authenticity in an episode 468 where I talked with Tracy Izzard. She talks about authenticity as bringing our best self, not bringing who we really are, though she would argue also that your best self is who you really are and that you don't always live up to your best self, but that bringing your best self. And I just that turn of phrase of how to visualize and think about authenticity, I think, is really powerful. A lot of times we think authenticity is just being who you are and being okay with who you are. But she really emphasizes that it's about being your very best self and not settling for anything less than that. And so I, I like how you're, how you're bringing these two different ideas together. And I want to go back to that idea of listen for the things that people don't, that the things that weren't in the question, that it's, it's about the responses that you're giving and what else they're saying about you and what you believe. And so you mentioned a couple of things, but what are some of the other things that you really look for with that? Um, for example, Liz Wiseman, who uh, wrote a book called Impact Players, talked about how she would listen for, um, or she recommends that people listen for how people respond to situations that are out of their control, whether they're leaning into those situations and seeing the positive in them, or whether their body is showing that they can't stand that they had to go through that bad situation. What are some mm -hmm. of the other things you're looking for? Well, as an elementary, we're totally focused on literacy and math. Like I believe that's our primary mm -hmm. mission. So um, we're listening for a balance of that, of course, content. So that could transfer to any level of content. And then a focus on um, the social emotional well-being of kids. 
you know, we don't necessarily ask a specific question about that, but we want to hear evidence of that, or we want to hear that care for kids, that recognition of how um, diverse learners are accepted and acknowledged or, you know, accommodated for. We want to hear some of those things, even if we don't ask a direct question specific to that. We do ask a question about when a colleague has impacted your practice and we're, we're looking for that, like I said, vulnerability, like for that openness to really learn from somebody because we can be our best self in a moment, but that doesn't mean that later we haven't learned a new strategy that's going to help us be a better self later, right? So we want to see that growth as a professional as well. Yeah, those are those are great answers. And I, I really like the idea of listening for an answer to a question that you didn't ask. And that is... The idea there is not to trick someone or to manipulate them or anything like that, but it's to hear their beliefs come through what it is that they say, what it is they choose to talk about in an interview. And I think that's really important. So my final question for you today, Janet, is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? One thing I'm trying to do this week is to really connect with some individual kids that I have seen might need that extra boost, right? Because I love being a principal, but I don't want to be too far away from the kids ever. So I'm seeking out some kids that are struggling with some learning or anxiety, or maybe I'm celebrating some successes that they've made and in their goal attainment. Um, I was getting to know a special ed student just today, and that's going to be the highlight of my week. And it's only Mm -hmm. a Monday in my world. So I think just really making that personal connection with some students and and learning something that you don't know about them and getting some depth into that connection. And I would translate that same thing to the adults in your space um, to make sure that you are visible and approachable and asking questions, but then standing back and just listening to really try to truly hear what they're telling you and what they might need to do their work even better. It's a hard time to be in education right now. And I think knowing that your principal is there listening and supporting you and finding those tangible ways and then follow through. We have to follow through because that's what speaks to them is that they can trust and rely on you. So I would say make those personal connections with kids and with staff. Yeah, that's that's really beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, thank you also for being on Transformative Principle. If you'd like to connect with Jana, you can follow her on Twitter at Jana the number four kids. That's Jana for kids. And Jana, thanks so much for being here. It's great talking with you and learning from you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. 
If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.